Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the ACCA student podcast. I'm Connor and I'm here with Alan. In the wake of results week, we're taking a look at what can be learned from the recent pass rates and going over the main points on students' minds ahead of the next sitting. We also look at recent news stories, including an auditor's failings in a football scandal and one country's innovative approach to recycling, before getting to this week's student question. But before we get into it, I'd like to let everyone know that our results week sale is still live for the rest of the weekend. So if you go to LearnSignal.com and use the coupon code RESULTSDAY40, you can get 40% off the annual plan. So Alan, the results came out and they published, ACCA published the global pass rates. And mm-hmm. these made for some quite interesting, if not the, the, some sad reading. Yes. Um, but really, the, the main point, I suppose, is that pretty much across the board... Um, if we're looking just at applied skills and strategic professional, eight of the subjects, the pass rate, the global pass rate has gone down from September um, 2019. Only two remain the same and only one went up. So really, it's, it's safe to say that the majority of subjects, the pass rates are going down. Yeah, I think um, it's certainly a sign that you're at the ACCA exams are not getting any easier. Um, but I also think it's reflective of um, what it means when you go into an employer to say you've ACA qualified, they know you've been kind of put through the ringer effectively, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that they've made you really work and that you have to have a good amount of knowledge in order to get through. Um, and I think the reducing pass rates across the board, if it was one or two exams, and I know audit's gone down quite a bit and there's, there's ones that have, have dropped a lot, but the fact that it's across the board, um, I don't think particularly every exam in December got harder than every no, exam no. Uh, every exam in September. Um, and, our, and and it's back to what we always say, the professional exams and be professional. And and we see from our webinars and everything that it, there's still this culture of trying to second guess the examiner, trying to guess what's coming up in the exam next. Not really believing the fact that pretty much the whole syllabus, especially in applied skills with the with the objective test questions that they can ask and the case questions that they can ask that they can pretty much test everything. Yeah. And you can fall foul of that really, really easily. Yeah, and and some some of the swings are quite high. I know FM went down from 50% pass rate to 43, so 7% down. Um, audit from 36 to 30%. And I think there is a bit of that, like you said, you know, sometimes after a good sitting or when things are going well, people think they have, the examiner figured out, yeah. or even in an examiner report, if they say certain things were done well, people think, oh, if I can just, if I can do that again, or if I can, I, I would have aced the September paper, so I don't need to worry about maybe some of the, the topic areas that I don't really like in the syllabus. As soon as you're starting to think like that, that's when you're going to be exposed. And we see quite often, and we'll have both been looking at the examiner reports quite a lot this week, and we'll, we'll be getting... Um, We'll be talking about that more later on, but you you see in them the examiner sometimes says that people have struggled with this area. It needs to be improved. It will be continued to be tested. Continue to be tested. Then people catch on and maybe they they start to do well. And then after that, the examiner will throw another curveball. But they're not catching on. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that we've noticed this week is that there's no, and, and again, there's no miracle. There's nothing that the there's nothing that anybody's missing, shall we say. It's a, the, like, they're just not, it's just not sinking in. And, and I sometimes think the results are slightly cyclical as well. Um, I don't think the exams are getting harder. I do think, no. I do think every now and then the, the, 
the the feeling would be, oh, that's an obscure piece of the syllabus, for example. I'm surprised they ask a question on that, but that's that's what they do. But there there really is very rarely any major surprises. Yes, each the odd exam could be a slightly harder version of a question than ever been seen before or tested differently. But it really, it, it kind of highlights as well that, that students are still trying to find, like if you put this in a real work scenario, would you, if you're going to a meeting and you're asked to do a presentation um, on, I don't know, the, the future strategy of the company, would you kind of, would you go in and kind of say, see how you get on? Um, kind of hope for the best, maybe spend 20 minutes beforehand thinking about it? Or would you think, no, this is my career. If I, if I, if I really make this work, I'm going to, like, this will make a difference to me. And people think highly of me. Yeah. Why would it be different than me? I don't get the yeah. difference. And it's the, the same exam. thing. You wouldn't go in and say, I'm, I feel prepared for this presentation as long as they ask these questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no one, no one asks me something. Here's I, a list I don't of really questions wonder. I'm ready yeah. for and please don't ask me any. And, and if you do ask me, it's unfair. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the caveat with these is we'd never encourage uh, students to be dwelling on pass rates and be mm-hmm. looking at pass rates and think any differently of an exam because the pass rate has moved from 36 to 30 just focus on your own preparation. If you're focused on and the advice that we're giving and that program and all those tips you'll hear us talking about on webinars, what makes good preparation. Um, you know, if you're doing all that, you shouldn't even need to think about the pass rates because you're just concerned with your own result, which will be a pass, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's that whole thing about the, like you talk about how something's moved up or moved down as a, as a pass rate and you look at people who say, oh, I got 49, I was so close to 50. Well, in the nicest possible way, you might as well have been 30 because it's still a gap. You've still done something that you haven't been able to prove that you have, whether the technical skills or the exam ability, the exam technique, in order to prove to that person that they can say you're another step closer to being a qualified accountant. Yeah. So the other um, side of this, which we've seen a lot this week, is we've recorded our results webinar during the week. Um, and interesting, we had it up on Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Uh, we did it live on our webinar too. And they were so, a chatty bunch. And they were a chatty bunch. So we were talked out with um, results-related questions. But it was very interesting to get a picture of, of where students are at. And I suppose, you know, seeing what the, the mindset of a lot of students when they're trying to decide what to do next. Um, I suppose the main point we had was that you can't dwell either way. You mm. can't enjoy the highs of a pass or the lows of a fail. It's all about what you do next and how you approach next and how you learn from that. Um, I suppose there was probably broadly two main questions we got. One was, I failed an exam multiple times. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think our advice was very clear on that. And no matter how many times we said it, people kept asking. But it's that if you're in that position, you need to be changing your approach. You can't mm. you can't just try the same thing again, but a little bit more. You have to really look at the way you're preparing and look at what you can do differently. And a lot of that comes back to exam technique. Yeah, it's like if, if oh, I did some questions. If I do more questions, I'll pass. But what if the questions you did first were completely wrong in your approach. All you're doing is you're doing extra wrong questions. Yeah, uh, I think it. You have to kind of give some real thought about like, and I think there there was definitely, I think, and and all students are the same, not just ACA, but there's always a feeling that you're, and a few students did 
did say that to us today. I thought I did better. I thought I deserved the pass. Mm. There's an undercurrent of it's kind of not my fault. It's their fault for failing me. How could they possibly fail me? I worked really hard and nobody's denying that you did, but you kind of, it's all about efficient, being efficient and clever. And clever includes like, giving the examiner what they want and they've been telling you for years on your examiner reports and the technical articles exactly what they want but uh, it does there's no hiding away from the fact that it takes, takes work and on that we are we'll be releasing all of our exam report tutor debriefs so which go through those key points but they'll be available on the site from monday so my advice after results week as when people ask what are the things that we should be doing is you know make your six-week study plan uh, we have them all available in the course resource section of your course page and then review the exam report debrief and that should really dictate for you you know your next couple of weeks and you should keep the those points that you learn from um, the exam report debrief in your mind throughout your study and i think if you're doing that you're going to be well prepared I think the other question um, and the other side, which we always get in results webinars, was students who are planning on sitting multiple exams. And mm, my favorite. I, <laughs> I think so. It even gets more and more sometimes. People are asking, is it possible to do two exams in six weeks? Is it possible to do three exams in four weeks? And I don't know if they're hoping we just say, yeah, go yeah. on. But um, I, I think we were very clear on the webinar, but you have to be realistic with yourself. And just if you're deciding now how many to do, you should just be doing one and doing it well and getting your your six week study plan and putting all your attention into that. Because if you can do that and pass that exam, you're in a far better position than if you've tried to do three and and fail them all. Well, my kids said to me the other day, and they're all 10 and younger. They said, is it possible that we get snow today? And I said, well, of course it's possible. But it's not probable <laughs> because it's like it's it's ten degrees and the weather said we're not getting snow. So it's obviously and I only know it's impossible when the day ends. Yeah. But right now I can't. So when somebody says, "Is it possible I could take four exams that I have no prior knowledge about in the next six weeks and pass them?" Yes, of course it's possible. <laughs> is it likely or is it probable that you will pass them? No. Is it probable that you will fail all four? Yes. Yeah. But but of course there's exceptions to every rule. Um, but I think, and we know the exceptions. We've met yeah. you. We've had the exceptions. Like we've had students before telling us they took four exams. Now they, the thing about it is, it's the second part of the story. So we had a student the last, I think, the September sitting, came to us and said they took all four exams with us and they passed all four. And then you dig deeper into the story and you find out well they've actually failed a number of them a number of times. So it's not that they've just started with six weeks to go afresh and passed four exams. But yeah, like it, it's again, anything's possible, but it is the probability of yeah. success is pretty low. And sometimes I feel if you're having to ask someone, you kind of know the answer. Yeah, in your head it, is, already. it is like what the, like this person, we would have had thousands of students and taking exams and them taking thousands of exams. Um, so if you kind of get if one in every thousand and I'd say that's still quite high can pass four exams in one sitting, like the other 999 are just going to struggle. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for extra content, important news, live streams, study tips, and much more. 
So um, we're going to move on to our news stories today. And Connor, I'm going to go first today because I'm going to vent a little bit about about my (laughs) my favorite subject. So um, anybody who's listened to the podcast before or maybe who doesn't know yet, um, I am personally embroiled in how the Football Association of Ireland has made such a mess of everything. And anybody who doesn't know, if you think it's a country of three million people or four million people, they've ended up with debts of about 70 million euro. And nobody knows why and nobody knows how to solve it. And they're basically begging the government for a bailout. I think that's a pretty, that's a, yeah. that's a fair synopsis at this stage. Yeah. So, um, and I think um, anybody who is following the story or if you just put FAI into the new, you'll just see kind of nearly daily updates of, of more things that are perplexing. And the most recent one um, is that the scandal after asking for a, ba- a bailout being threatening with, with collapse um, recently, Deloitte, um, Ireland, who are the auditors of the FAI, have announced their resignation. And the reason why they have announced their, rec- their resignation was to say that the FAI has failed to keep proper accounting records at potential criminal inv- offence. They have reported that to the, the correct bodies in Ireland. Um, and the, that senior officials apparently told people at the recent AGM that they have been misled by FAI directors. Now, I guess my question for you, Connor, because I don't have the audit background and, uh, and you have worked in audit. Yeah. Um, I think the last piece I'd add at the very end of this is that Deloitte have been the FAI's auditors for 23 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I have misled you for 23 years that you haven't found my my secret cave of all the things I haven't told you about. And I, and that just kind of, I keep thinking everything is the icing on the cake or the, the cherry on the icing that we can't hear anymore. And I think there's a big stack of cherries and this one's right on top because it baffles me how after 23 years that you, in an as we said, in an organisation that to me seems very, very simplistic, they kind of, they have matches, they sell tickets, they get money in, they sell jerseys, mm. they get money in, they have sponsorship, they get money in. And yes, there's other things around that, but it's uh, it's not the most complex of business. No, it's, it's um, yeah, as you said, if, if this was, if Deloitte had taken over the audit this year and then they couldn't get this information and they refused to give an opinion and walked away, that's a different story. Mm. But over a 23-year period, you know, the, the whole purpose and point of the auditors is to give comfort over those accounts and as you said it's not this isn't like Enron it's not the smartest accountants in the world who are doing this sophisticated hoodwink over the auditors yeah. if this was done no offence to the previous accountants of the yeah, FAI yeah, of course yeah, yeah. but yeah well, I think that the, they'll I'm sure have taken offence to other recent things yeah yeah true um, but yeah if this was done right you know the auditors shouldn't be in there relying on what you know that the high executives in the FIR are telling them there are a number of risk areas that they should have been getting comfort over themselves and if they weren't able to get that comfort or they found themselves having to rely on you know word and promises then yeah. they should have disclaimed their audit opinion and they yeah. should have been in a position where this was addressed years ago because some of the things that have come out around spending sponsorship money that you haven't received yet or you've been promised in a few years. Um, you know, they're not things that would be difficult to to test in an order or even the, the amount of transactions with related parties and with the ex-CEO and all these things should have been red flags and wouldn't have been difficult to dig into. But 
I don't know. I think clearly the, the, the others clearly, are just watching matches with them rather than... Clearly, clearly some of the accountants were cleverer than you're giving them credit for, Connor. Yeah, or some of the auditors <laughs> where we won't get into that. We won't get into that. Anyway, we should move on before I do say something I get in trouble for. Okay, so looking at my story, which is a slightly nicer one or maybe less fancy and quite topical, um, I suppose the first point on this is to do with the level of waste that's generated around Christmas time. So in Britain alone, households generate 30% more waste over the month of Christmas. That's an extra 3 million tonnes and most of this ends up going to landfills. So the recycling um, of plastic packaging in the EU, the average of recycling is about 42%. But one country, which is Lithuania, has actually been leading the way and has managed to get their recycling um, figure up to 74% of all waste. Wow. So very impressive in, in how what they're doing and how they've changed this over the last few years. And how they've done it is the successful um, implementation of this deposit refund scheme, which isn't an entirely new system. You see it in certain countries with bottles. Um, So they introduced this in 2016, where customers pay an extra um, 10% charge when buying any plastic products. And then they have um, these reverse vending machines and shops and all around that people can go put these plastic products in and it will spit out that deposit back. Mm. Or if not, they're paying it in the shops like a tax. Um, And then these deposits are obviously sent off to the proper recycling centres. But I think the the success in this is not just the scheme, but how much um, they've changed, I suppose, the the culture and how the the public are using this. So they now have 92% of all bottles and cans are recycled. Their um, plastic packaging recycling is up over 20% and 90% of their citizens have actually used this system. So... I think it really, again, we've talked about, um, you know, there has been other of these innovative things that drive change, particularly with recycling. But it does show how the, the kind of successful, simple implementation of something like this can completely change how a, how a country approaches their their recycling and their sustainability and looking after the environment. I don't want to come across as sounding really old and I'm really not as old as this common sense. <laughs> but um, I think I still remember vaguely in my childhood where you kind of you bought bottles of Coke or whatever yeah. it would be and you brought them back to the shops and you got your deposit back. And it was yeah. like 5p and 1p and all that type of stuff. Um, and, I, and, and I guess that changed for convenience sake and probably for manufacturing sake. And you kind of think... Well, people will never do that again. I think that's just proved it. I think once people get a, I guess what's sad a little, in a little way is that people have to be nearly financially motivated to take part in it. But yeah. again, nobody's really spending money on it because you're kind of, you're paying your money up front and, and you're getting your own money back. So there is a certain amount of motivation for that. And so I think it's a it's an amazing statistic and, and yeah. kind of just such a simple idea. I don't think we're gonna we're not gonna solve um the environmental issues with we're kind of one somebody's just come up with an amazing idea, they flick the switch and it all ends. And I think yeah, and there this was, is a great thing to do. There was some some criticism that, you know, people should not be producing plastic products or plastic shouldn't be used but it's hard to drive huge change as you said where you suddenly get all these companies to stop doing this and that's obviously the ultimate end goal to stop producing using as much plastic but as a short-term solution 
at least the plastic that has been reduced to get that recycled. The other thing with any schemes like this is that you're actually having much less litter because people are taking bottles off the, the street. And you do find in these situations, and I've seen in countries, that it does can spread more money to people who need it. Or mm-hmm. um, So it, it has a lot of other social impacts and environmental impacts even in the, the litter alone. But I think, you know, it does show how if you can understand how people work and what's necessary to drive a change, you can put something in place that that leads to that. Well, even back to that motivation, if you look at litter, um, people don't see themselves throwing bottles on the ground. They see themselves throwing money on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And and that motivation is great. and, And maybe that is the answer. Try us for free by registering for a basic plan on LearnSignal.com to get everything you need to pass your exams. So Connor, this week's student question, um, and I say this week, it's just it's popped up in the last few days. So since we did our um, pretty huge um, webinar on Wednesday for the exam results, um, we've had a lot of people come in and wonder where can they see the, the webinar again? Where can they get feedback? Can they still ask questions? Um, and what because they still they now have well, my what to do next questions. Yeah, yeah. And we also we had lots of people getting on separately to um, our, our chat support with just general questions, which were actually covered in the results webinar. I think we probably covered most situations and eventualities in that webinar. Um, so the, the best place for anyone who still has those questions is to watch the recording of that, which is up on all the course pages. You'll see it under exam prep where we put our weekly webinars. There'll be a results webinar. But really, I can think that any you know, decision related question or what to do next or, um, you know, what should be my focus now? Any of those questions that you do have, we did address those during that session. So if you're if you're looking um, to get the answers to those, I think the best place to go is to that results webinar. So we are going to finish up there for today. Just to remind you, we do have our results uh, week sale that will still be going for the remainder of this weekend. So if you go on to LearnSignal.com and sign up with the coupon code RESULTSDAY40, you can get 40% off the annual plan. Remember to look out for our six-week study plans and for our exam report debriefs, which will be coming out this week. And we'll talk to you again on the podcast next week. Bye-bye.